What's up, everyone? Welcome into a new edition of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the instant reaction version of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the flagship show of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you just maybe 10 minutes after the Ohio State-Miami of Ohio game was suspended a little bit early due to lightning and weather, but we are here to talk about Ohio State's 76-5 win over Miami, Ohio. This is the Instant Reaction Podcast. want to thank you guys for joining. As always, if you want to get involved with the show, be sure to send me a tweet at Dubsco as a show. We are at Holy Land Pod. You can also interact with us on the main channel at Land Grant 33, but at Dubsco and at Holy Land Pod. If you ever want to get involved in these recaps or the previews, whatever it may be, send the tweets there. I'll get you on the show. We'll talk about your questions, comments, concerns, whatever it may be about the Ohio State Buckeyes. We got a couple today, so get to those in a little bit, but I am here to talk about this win and what was an up and down game, a crazy game for Ohio State, especially early, but for the most part, pretty damn good. I think there are a lot of good takeaways from this game and even stuff that we can take away from the early portions of the game that wasn't so good. And that's really the best place to start is what Ohio State looked like at the beginning of this game. I don't think it's right to call it a slow start. I like you got to call it what it was and it was a bad start. I mean it, it really was. It, it just looked like honestly, it looked like a team who all week had heard that they were favored by 40 points. That to me is exactly what it looked like. It, it looked like a group that had heard about how great they were all week, had been reading about it, that they were just going to trash this team, not only from the media and their friends probably, but also the opposing head coach came out and was like, hey, if you had a pick, it's like going in recess and they're the first 85 picks. So that's that's only natural. You don't want to see it. But I, to me, that's exactly what it looked like. That They came out and they were maybe a little bit overconfident, a little bit lazy or sluggish. And Miami got the jump on them with that early safety uh, player coming around the edge, knocks the ball out of Justin Fields' hands after they downed uh, what was a great punt inside the two-yard line. So that wasn't ideal. And when it comes to Fields, that just keeps going back to what I'm saying about him being a young quarterback needing to speed up his process. And that was something that I think we saw again at various points in this game is he's still getting used to playing the position every single down and he's still improving, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But that just goes back to being a young quarterback. I keep hammering that, but I think it's true that he just needs to get used to it, get more reps, and that'll speed up. But that's also something to keep in the back of your mind as the strength of Ohio State's schedule is about to ramp up defensively. Maybe not a ton against a team like Nebraska, but when that Michigan State game comes up, Ohio State and Fields are going to have to really emphasize getting that ball out quick because that's something, if there's a little bit of nitpick about the offense right now, that would be one of them. But other than that, I, I thought he did a pretty damn good job. And they rebounded nicely after that, or I guess after the first quarter because they punted away and their next possession and Miami got the ball back. And we just talked about the offensive struggles there. The defense for the first couple of drives, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but we almost saw a redux a little bit of how the defense looked last year. 
Miami was able to get to the outside. There looked to be a couple of breakdowns in the secondary and amongst the middle of the field for the linebackers, a couple of bad pursuit angles that led to Miami being able to break off chunk plays. And so that was a little bit concerning. And I I wonder if anyone's going to ask Chuck Martin about deciding to kick that field goal inside the five-yard line and making it 5 nothing. I feel like that was the point where the football gods were like, all right, man, if you're really interested in making this a 5 nothing game instead of going for a touchdown, we're not giving you anything else for the rest of the game. And to the defense's credit, after that, they, they really stepped up. So there was a little bit of, of stuff there that I, I didn't like to see and has me a little bit concerned heading into the Nebraska game and what's a very explosive Nebraska offense that is schemed up really well. I think that Scott Frost and his staff can look at some of the portions of this game and Ohio State's first three games, and they're, they're going to have success. Nebraska is going to move the ball a little bit on Ohio State and be able to put some points up. But I thought after that, the defense it was able to recover really nicely. And it was important to remember that Jonathan Landers was out for this game. Jonathan Cooper still out. Hopefully he's back next week. And then Tyreek Smith was out. We don't really know his status going forward or what that long-term injury situation with him is. But they had three key contributors on the defensive line who were out for this game. So they got to use a little bit of their depth. But I think it showed a little bit that they were playing without those three guys. But like I said, after that first quarter, the defense just shut it down. And Chase Young, in particular, (laughs) continues to look like a monster and the best player in college football. He had the two strip sacks in the second quarter. He's basically unblockable. I I didn't think that we would see a player like Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa this soon after those two guys left. But like, nope, Chase Young has totally evolved into the player we all thought he would be when he first came to Ohio State and the player we all wanted him to be. Because even last year with those injuries, there was a little bit of inconsistency there. And now, four games into the season, you can confidently say like, man, this is a top two pick. This is the best defensive player in college football. I I just can't be more impressed with Chase Young, I think, than what we've seen the, the first four weeks of the season. He is so damn good. And when they get healthy along the defensive line, they're going to be a problem. So those are my early thoughts about what we saw from the defense. They were able to rebound after a couple breakdowns in the first quarter. But for the most part, they look pretty damn good. They're still improving. Jeff Okuda had the interception. I'll talk a little bit more about them and just various random thoughts here in a little bit. But back to the offense and the way that they were able to respond after really looking not great in the first quarter In the second quarter, the floodgates just opened. I don't know if it was just snapping their fingers and like, hey, it's time to wake up. Like, damn, we're in a 5-0 hole to Miami of Ohio. What's going on here? We've been rolling the past three games. Whatever it was, they adjusted and they looked as good as we've seen them look all season, which is saying something. They just poured it on in the second quarter. They scored 42 points. Justin Fields was responsible for six of those touchdowns in the second quarter. And on the subject of him, I I just keep saying it about him. This isn't the fully evolved version of Justin Fields. Like if we're talking about like Justin Fields as a, as a Pokemon right now, he is like war turtle. 
he, he's past the Squirtle era. We we know he what he can do like from a minor standpoint. He's at that War Turtle area where you're like, God damn, this guy is pretty good. He's going to be at the Blastoise level here in a little bit. And for people that didn't play Pokemon, like that is just the a weird way of saying Justin Fields continues to evolve. He's looking really impressive right now. But as he gets more reps, I, I just don't know what his ceiling is because hit the raw tools are there. The smarts are there. He still hasn't thrown an interception. He did have the fumble in the end zone. The mental clock still has to improve. I think it will. But everything else, his ability to throw on the run, he had the touchdown throwing uh, on his right, moving to his right to Chris Olave in the corner of the end zone. That was very nice, accurate, had some zip to it. There was the third and 20 touchdown to Benjamin Victor, which was a great play on both ends. Great throw. And my guy, Benjamin Victor, continues to impress. He is having an awesome senior season. Let's not discount the job that Benjamin Victor is doing. That consistency that I brought up with Chase Young, that is really showing itself with Benjamin Victor's game. He stepped up. He has been a great and uh, efficient weapon for this offense. I think uh, Chad Peltier, our our stats guy here at Land Grant Holy Land, was tweeting some stuff about him during the game saying that he hasn't dropped the ball yet. And for somebody that struggled with that consistency in his first three seasons, but has flashed at times, that's a big deal. So I'm very happy to see that Benjamin Victor continues to make big plays in big spots for this offense and that Justin Fields is really trusting him like a number one receiver, which is saying something because there's a lot of talented guys uh, in that receiving group, including Chris Olave, who had another touchdown that was on another awesome throw by Fields in the uh, in the corner of the end zone on the other corner of the end zone on that fade route. That's something you just love to see from a young quarterback. He threw that ball with anticipation, with touch. Miami, Ohio's cornerback leapt up as high in the air as he could get to try to knock that ball down, and it was just too perfectly placed right in the back of the end zone, just hit Chris Olave right in the hands. And he, despite the the low stat numbers for him, three catches, 30 yards, two touchdowns, he continues to be impressive with the way that he blocks, The way that he runs his routes, when he gets his opportunities, he makes the most of them. He had the block punt last week. So Chris Olave just continues to show off that he is a complete receiver. Fields also had two touchdowns running the ball. That was something uh, we talked about on the preview was don't expect a ton of runs again for him. I think at least four of his, and he's listed as having nine carries, at least four of them were probably just scrambles where he didn't see anybody open or he just had to go make a play for whatever reason. But then he did have the uh, the two keepers, including the second one, that was a really nice read by him, and he was able to juke a couple defenders, get into the end zone. So we still, four weeks into the season, Justin Fields hasn't been relied on to carry the ball. I still think that's a big portion of the offense that Ryan Day thankfully, or it's like a luxury at this point, hasn't really shown opposing defenses. That's something that I think we will definitely see more of against Nebraska, depending how that game shakes out. But I really like what we have seen so far from Fields' ability to make decisions on those RPOs, because he's one of those quarterbacks that can let it just sit until that last moment. JT Barrett could do that pretty well, too, where you, you never know. 
defenses think they know and this play has been around for long enough now where you think you can game plan for it but there are just some quarterbacks who have an ability I don't know how but they just have the ability to wait until the last moment to make that decision on the RPO from the limited times we've seen it it looks like Justin Fields has it and that is something to watch out going forward because it's going to be a bigger part of Ohio State's offense uh, in the rest of Big Ten play. And going back to the differences we saw in the second quarter compared to the first, I think it really just goes back to uh, just being ready to play on both sides of the ball. Offensively, it was just a little sleepy. And then once they got into the game, they were able to pretty much do what they wanted. They really didn't run the ball a lot in the first half, or it didn't seem that way. I'm looking at the stats right now. J.K. Dobbins only had eight carries for 52 yards. Master Teague had 11 carries for 34 yards. Some of those were in the in the second half, so I don't know how many he got in the first half. But they really didn't run the ball down Miami of Ohio's throat, which for the starters I think is great. J.K. Dobbins getting out of this game with only eight carries – There's no reason for him to have 25 carries in this game. There's no reason for Justin Fields to have over 10 carries in this game. So I I think one of the low-key things we're not talking about right now is how well Ryan Day is managing this team. And I don't think he's purposely doing that. Like You can't go into football games and just say, hey, we're going to put you guys on a pitch count. That's that's not what you want to do. That's not how you breed consistency for teams because you can't pick and choose how hard you want to play. But I do think once they get into games, Ryan Day is making smart choices of when to take players out, how much to give them. He, he kind of has a nice feel to how the game is going. So just looking at the stats right now, it's disappointing to look back and see J.K. Dobbins only had 52 yards rushing, but it's better than seeing that he got hurt with a 15-carry game against Miami of Ohio. So I, I really like what Ryan Day is doing right now, managing how these players are playing in these type of games. It felt like, too, that the offense really fed off the energy that the defense was playing with in the second quarter. Like, those guys just kind of put their foot down and were like, okay, enough of this. This is ridiculous. Miami of Ohio was moving the ball on us. They're, they were almost at a point where they got up 9 nothing in the game. Like, uh, enough of this. Um, Damon Arnett is one guy that, maybe the guy that I have just killed on this podcast for the last three years. He played really well against Indiana. He had the pick six. And I thought he was one of the only guys early in the game that played really well throughout the whole time he was in. Even in the first quarter, he was in on a couple of pass plays where I don't think he had any pass breakups or anything, but he was right there. And he never seemed like he was out of position. So that was great to see. I will always give the credit where credit is due, and I thought that Damon Arnett had another strong performance. That's great for him. It seems like his decision to come back, I I still don't think that was much of a decision, but coming back was a great choice for him, and he's playing really well so far. And once the defense got going as a whole, they held Miami to negative seven yards in the second quarter, and that goes back to the energy I was talking about. They were just like, we are getting off the field. We're making plays. Jeff Okuda had the interception, Young had the two strip sacks, which is also six straight games for him with at least a sack, which is just absolutely insane. I think Nebraska's going to be throwing the ball a lot. They'll probably try to get it out early, but definitely wouldn't be surprised to see that streak go to seven for Chase Young. They were just flying around in the second quarter once they got some confidence 
that was really great to see. Baron Browning, a middle linebacker. I, I feel like once we all go back and watch this game, if you look at the defense, Baron Browning took his first step today to taking that middle linebacker job for good. There were a couple plays he made where he looked a lot more confident than we saw him last season where he was able to just fly to the ball and make something happen. So hopefully he has a good week of practice and he's able to show the coaches that he is he's the guy. I know I said it last week. It may have been either in the preview or in the recap of the Indiana game. I feel bad for Tough Borland because it looks like he's still just feeling the effects of that leg injury. And I just feel like he's a liability for this defense. When they play high-level competition, even when they play a team like Nebraska, who's faster, you just you can't have him on the field in something that isn't an obvious running down. And even then, I, I don't like it if the other team has speed on the field because I don't even think he's diagnosing plays well at this point. And uh, that's not something uh, – I'm not here to gloat. I know we've been really hard on the linebackers here for the past couple of seasons – but he just doesn't look right. He doesn't look healthy. And uh, when when him and Pete Werner are on the field together, that's a recipe for disaster for this defense. That's when I thought that they struggled the most early on is when those two guys were on the field together. You know, it's one thing if it's Miami of Ohio. It's one thing if it's Nebraska. But this team has ambitions, and I feel like we all want to see them play at the highest level against teams like Oklahoma or Clemson or Alabama if those two are on the field at the same time against the, any of those teams, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw from the defense last year. And uh, I know people have been really excited about Warner so far this season. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong a lot this season and going forward. I just don't see it. I, I really don't. I don't think he had a very good game. And the, that if there's one thing that, that worries me, like actually, it's still those linebackers outside of Malik Harrison and Baron Browning. I really like what I saw today, but it was just one game. He's got to build on that. But that that's just something to watch, and maybe that's me being a little overcritical, but I am still very worried about Pete Warner and Tuff Borland on the field together, or even one of them just on the field without the other one against teams with good athletes. I don't think that that's going to bode well for this linebacker core. But it's worth saying, and I said it last week, said it against Cincinnati and even FAU, this was a very overmatched Miami of Ohio team, but just schematically and overall what we're seeing from the defense is light years ahead of last year, and I couldn't be happier about it. They're forcing turnovers. They're flying to the ball. It looks like for the most part they know where they're going, so overall I love what I see from the defense. Holding any FBS team to negative seven yards in a quarter is pretty awesome, so don't discount that even though Miami of Ohio is super overmatched and that's what we expect from Ohio State in this type of talent disparity in a matchup like this. But negative seven yards, that's damn good. So don't don't overlook that. Other random thoughts before I talk about the second half and some of the backups, some of the freshmen that got to play today. Special teams continue to be very special and even better. That was supposed to be a calling card of Urban Myers, and I think it was at the start of his tenure, but for the most part, other than the punting, it kind of dipped off. And right now, they're playing really well, especially uh, that punt block unit. They blocked another punt second in the last two weeks, second of the year. They also blocked that kick against Cincinnati, so 
they've they've got some talent there. We saw Chris Olave do something last week. They're not afraid to put high skilled players in those groups, and you can see why. When you're able to make plays like that, that totally changes the tenor of a game because you do something like that in a game like Michigan State, it'll flip the whole game on its head. When you do that in a game like Miami of Ohio, that's kind of just like ripping their heart out. A team like that isn't going to be able to recover from it. So that was a really huge play to block that punt. I don't even remember the score at that point, but that was really the moment where I was like, nope, you are done. You, you got no hope. If we're, we're making plays like this, we're putting our stamp on it. This game is over. Not only that, we're going to kick your ass the rest of the way. I'd still like to see a little bit more from each return unit. It kind of seems like punt returner, at least the starters that they had out there earlier with Demario McCall. It feels like they're just telling him, hey, take a fair catch. Or if you're kind of concerned about it, don't touch the ball. It felt like that's what it was on that punt that was downed at the one. And then after that, I think Miami, Ohio's second one was almost the same situation where he ran up on it, called a fair catch, let it bounce. They almost downed it inside Ohio State's 10 again. So it feels like they still don't trust Demario McCall. And if CJ Saunders were playing, he'd probably be the punt returner. But the good news, or at least the most intriguing thing, was that in the second half, in the uh, in the third quarter, we saw Garrett Wilson on a punt return. And I'm looking at the yardage right now. It was a 52-yard return. Something to look at. Something to keep in the back of your mind. Maybe that's a look we see against Nebraska. That would be a tough first assignment for him, really, as a starting punt returner. To like, oh, hey, you're the starting punt returner in this primetime game against Nebraska. We're, we're putting a lot on your plate. But if he showed anything early on, it's that he is... Very dynamic. Go back and watch that punt return. I don't care who you're playing against. That is a special athlete right there, which transitions perfectly into talking about the second string and some of these younger players that got to play in the second half because he's really the guy that stands out above anyone else. Garrett Wilson is a freaking dude. That touchdown catch, how long was it? It was 38 yards. He just leapt over the defensive back, probably grabbed him in the face mask and in the helmet a little bit, but the ball skills for such a young player and for him to not even make the catch because the catch was one thing, for him to bobble the ball and have that sort of hand-eye coordination to finish off the catch is spectacular. But for him to even put himself in a position to go get it at that young of an age and at that level of inexperience playing on the FBS level is insane. That's athletic ability, that is smarts, that is awareness, it's toughness, it's everything you want from a dynamic wide receiver all rolled into one. That play kind of encapsulates everything we've been excited about from him. And I think that's his second touchdown so far this season. He was on on some of those early drives And uh, even on the J.K. Dobbins touchdown run, he had a really great block that sealed the edge. And if we know anything about this coaching staff, if you're a wide receiver, if you can block, your ass is going to get on the field. So Garrett Wilson, that he's able to not only make the explosive plays in punt return and down the field on that touchdown catch, 
but also be able to earn the trust of the coaches. Like, hey, we can put him in with the first team because he's going to block and he's going to block well and he's going to make sure that our running backs can finish off runs and we can not only get good gains, but explosive plays that can lead to touchdowns. That's how he's going to see the field because the coaches know how much of an athlete he is. But if he can show consistently that he's able to block and make plays like that when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, that's really special. So Garrett Wilson, all phases, amazing. He is exactly as advertised. He's going to be a dude. It was good just overall to see the backups move the ball. That was something that was a a level of consternation the last couple of weeks because it felt like they weren't even like getting a first down. Like the la- if you would have told me that the backups didn't have a first down in the last two weeks or like the whole season they played, this was kind of believable. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like that makes sense because it seems like they haven't done much of anything with the ball. So that was nice to see that they got in and moved the ball after the, uh, the master Teague fumble, which I guess has kind of been an issue with him. We haven't seen it much in games, but after he fumbled that, he was able to uh, to rebound. And even though he had just 34 yards on 11 carries, it still felt like he was making plays and getting tough yards. So I still think that Master Teague is that guy going forward. He also had a 17-yard catch, which was nice. So love to see Master Teague continue to get those reps. At this point, he solidified that second running back role and behind a second string offensive line led by Harry Miller at center. Great that all those guys are getting reps and they looked much better than they have in the past. We got a question about that from, let me see here, Greg Frisch, who says, can you do your entire podcast on the second string and more? Skip the first half of the game. Crowley Chambers, the sophomore linebacker with the sack. We'll get to him in a second. I see Miller at center all second half. Talk to me about the 2022 Buckeye starters. I'd have to go back and watch the second half more closely because once the first half ended, other than like those chunk plays to uh, to Wilson and, and Jamison uh, Williams, who we'll talk about in a second, it's it's hard to just pay attention to all that going forward, like who's playing on the line and whatnot. But for the most part, the line looked pretty good. That second group, uh, Chris Chuganoff finally threw his first touchdown. Salute to him. But when it comes to the line, they look good. They're moving people off the ball. Harry Miller <laughs> looks really, really talented and uh, like, like a piece moving forward. And uh, maybe they sneak him in a little bit earlier in these games. I don't know if they're going to have a lot more chances for blowouts and to, to play some of these second stringers as much as you would like. But in certain situations, it would be okay to see Harry Miller in there and see what he can do against top-level defensive linemen because he already looks like he is going to be a guy that is going to have a very decorated career here. Okay, lastly on offense with these backups, I mentioned it a second ago, Jamison Williams, the touchdown in the fourth quarter. Holy hell, he has some speed. He is a name that we've heard about. He is a guy that Ryan Day has talked about. And that was 61 yards to the house just on a little, I think it was just a, a curl route. Maybe it was a post, but he was stopped. And uh, he he just was able to turn around and accelerate. And it was over. He got up to top end speed very fast. Boy, he's good. He looks like he's going to be a player. Him and Garrett Wilson, uh, that's that's a nice one-two punch going forward. So Jamison Williams, he's, he's another one of those guys like at this point, 
we know he's not going to redshirt. He's out there. We've seen what he can do. It's just a matter of, like, going back to Wilson, how much do the coaches trust him in a game like Nebraska next week on the road or at Northwestern or against a very good Michigan State defense? Yeah, we know you're a great athlete. Can you block? Can we count on you play by play? And we just really haven't seen enough of him at this point to make that judgment. But when you make splash plays like that, that'll get you a chance. So hopefully we see Jamison Williams in a big situation next week or early on like we saw with Garrett Wilson this week. I feel like you make a play like that, okay, you've you've earned some time early on with the starters. Let's see what you can do. Maybe you don't get... A, a pass your way or a couple passes your way or a play called for you, but you get the opportunity to get out there, show us what you can do, and if you can play an all-around game like the rest of the receivers can, that's when you make your mark and get out there and play. But when it comes to just that that top-end speed, that may be the most impressive on the team, which is saying something. Real quick, because I forgot, K.J. Hill, shout-out to him. Long touchdown catch, 53 yards, and, uh, and had another catch, two catches for 78 yards. We haven't heard a ton about him. He hasn't really done a lot this season from a statistical standpoint, but I feel like he has played really, really well. He, he's not going to get the looks that another number one wide receiver would get in, in other offenses, but I think he plays his part better than almost anybody on this team. And to have a guy like that who is so talented and can set the receptions record at the school. I, I don't know exactly how many more he needs to get to break that record, but he has a legitimate shot of breaking the receptions record at Ohio State. And uh, we, you know, we haven't heard a peep about it. It's just been him coming back for his senior season, and it really feels like he's one of those guys that's very talented, but he's just a glue guy. He, he knows what it takes, and he wants to win. So K.J. Hill, it's good to see him uh, get a touchdown and get rewarded for those efforts because he's one of those players that just seems to do everything right. I can't say I paid attention a ton to what the backup defenders did other than uh, what Greg mentioned, Dallas Gant. That play, he just blasted through the line and got his first sack. Whew, seeing that type of athleticism at linebacker, you just you absolutely love it. He's an, another one of those guys that like I talked about with the wide receivers, he can. we know how athletic he is. It's just the play-by-play consistency. Hopefully we see him again early and get a chance to play alongside some of those other linebackers that we always see out there just to see what it looks like. But he's still a very young guy. But that uh, that just that one play was very splashy and showed the type of athleticism that he has. Staying on the theme of young players, one of our longtime listeners, Eddie, asks, who doesn't redshirt? Um, it really, when you look at it at this point, it's really just Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, two guys we already talked about, Marcus Crowley, who had a couple of nice runs, along with Steel Chambers, who got a lot of run later on in the game, had a touchdown. I thought Crowley and Chambers both looked good behind that second string offensive line. Uh, Harry Miller and Zach Harrison on defense. Also, Craig Young, linebacker. Those are really the only guys I can see that don't redshirt. Everybody else at this point is taking a redshirt because even when Wilson and Jamison Williams are that talented, 
and are fighting that hard for spots. Same with Harry Miller. Uh, these these other guys, it's just going to be too hard for them to break through. So I, I think that those guys, Wilson, Williams, Crowley, Chambers, and even Chambers, I don't think has played in all four games. Uh, Harry Miller and Zach Harrison and Craig Young are, are the only guys that out of this last class that aren't going to redshirt. Okay, so we didn't really get a ton of questions this week. That was on me. I should have done a better job of sending that out before the game was over. So make sure after the Nebraska game or later on during it, send your tweets to at Dubsco and at Holy Land Pod. We'll get you on the show, uh, talk about that next week and that recap. But thank you to everybody who interacts with me or interacts with the show. Really enjoy answering your questions. So hopefully I do a better job next week and we get a little bit more of the fan interaction. Uh, the last thing, since I haven't even mentioned it, and we did have a couple people that said uh, they wanted to hear about the, the Michigan game today and them getting absolutely stomped by Wisconsin. There's really nothing else to say other than to just to just enjoy it because that was that was awesome. That was amazing. That first half, Wisconsin did basically anything they wanted. That uh, vaunted new offense that we were all promised that Michigan was just going to tear everybody up with uh, didn't really look much like anything other than having some very good and athletic receivers on the outside that uh, I, I wish could go play somewhere else with better quarterbacks and uh, better offensive minds to help get them to the NFL because uh, Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones, pretty athletic. I think that uh, Black in particular, he's pretty damn good. But man, they just, uh, more of what we've seen, more of the same from Michigan. I can't wait to go back and watch this game. Uh, if you want to go to any Michigan blog right now, they're they're finally having the talk, guys. Like, what what if it's not going to work out? We, we've been waiting for this. And Michigan fans are the only ones that haven't brought it up. And after this one, they're finally starting to do it. And and I will say, when it comes to them and uh, how they match up with Ohio State in particular, we got to remember that there have been bad, like really bad Michigan teams that have played Ohio State's tough. So don't think after this one that just going into Ann Arbor is going to be a cakewalk because as bad as they've looked... Michigan's always going to get up for that game. And uh, on that note, too, okay, if we can, if we're, we're going to knock Michigan down several pegs, is like they are who we thought they were. They're, they're not really the team that everybody wanted them to be. They're not college football playoff contenders. They're probably not Big Ten contenders. Wisconsin is. Wisconsin is very good. And I don't think you can look at that game and just say, oh, Michigan was trash. They're, they're not good. Uh, Wisconsin just rolled over them. Like, of course they were going to beat them like that. No, Wisconsin is good. And they're on the schedule here in about, what, like a month? Um, that's that's going to be a tough matchup, even at home. That's another team that Ohio State doesn't play very often, but they've played them a little more often recently. We saw it in 2016. Uh, there was the Big Ten Championship game a couple years ago. And if you just watch Wisconsin, you know that is a tough-ass group especially on that offensive line that's going to be a great matchup with Ohio State's defensive line versus that offensive line there is going to be a ton of responsibility on Ohio State linebackers I've already told you how I feel about them so I'm already a little bit 
nauseous about the the thought of Ohio State's linebackers having to tackle Jonathan Taylor, but we will get to that. Um, but just thinking about Wisconsin, they look pretty damn good. They are staunch on defense too, so that'll be fun when they come into the shoe and we get to talk about how those two teams match up. That could very well be a game that we see twice. That that may be a rematch game in the Big Ten title, so who knows? We got a long way uh, before that game, but based off of what we've seen from them on uh, their first 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 foray in the 2019 season and today against Michigan, Wisconsin is pretty damn good. And for the Michigan side, you got to remember, they still have to play Notre Dame. They still have to play Michigan State. They still have to play Penn State. And of course, they still have to play Ohio State. And uh, if the first their first three games are any indication, because they were coming off a bye this week and they look like that. If the first three games are any indication, uh, there's at least one or two more losses on that schedule. And uh, if Michigan goes 8-4, and four, it's going to be hilarious, quite frankly, to see what they do. So very intrigued. And from a schadenfreude perspective, uh, what a day. Because Michigan was just closing out, getting their asses whipped by Wisconsin while Ohio State was dotting the eye, which was like some of the greatest symmetry I've ever seen. That was really enjoyable. So uh, I'm definitely going to go back and watch that one a couple of times and hope this is just the beginning of a nice Michigan 2019 slide. Okay, on that note, I've sufficiently on Michigan and it's probably time to get out of here. Really appreciate you guys listening to the show. I hope you like these recaps. I went 40 minutes almost on Miami of Ohio, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing that I'm talking solo about this game for that long, a 77 to 5 win, but I hope you guys enjoy it. If you do, please interact with me on Twitter. Let me know at DubsCo. Follow along uh, with all the show and when it drops at Holy Land Pod, you can interact there as well. And please subscribe. Go to Apple Podcasts, search Land Grant Holy Land Listen to this podcast, both our recaps and the previews, and then everything else we got on the Land Grant Holy Land Network. We got shows every single day for your guys' ears, and then follow along on Spotify, too. It's free. Just search Land Grant Holy Land. Click follow. All the new episodes will come into your phone or your computer, whatever it is that you follow along with the show with, but those are the best ways that you can interact with us and give. please give us feedback as to uh, as to how we're doing because we want to make sure that we're giving you guys the best experience as Ohio State fans. That's going to wrap it up though. want to thank you guys for listening. I got to edit this. Hope we can get it out tonight so you guys can uh, can relive and keep enjoying this big win for Ohio State and uh, and next week is going to be a lot of fun. So be on the lookout for that episode, the preview for the Nebraska game coming out on late Tuesday early Wednesday. I'm really fired up for this game. I'm so excited. I don't, if some of you guys know, I hate Nebraska. I grew up in Boulder. So my hate for Nebraska is like right up there with Michigan. It may even be a little bit higher. So I'm super fired up for this one. Can't wait to drop that episode and hope you guys stick around for it. But until then, thank you one last time for listening. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land and go Bucks.